This is Defenders TV podcast, episode 33, looking at Jessica Jones, season one, episode three, a.k.a. It's Called Whiskey. Welcome back, Defenders, to Defenders TV Podcast. This is episode 33, and we are on episode 3 of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. It's Called Whiskey, and there's been a lot of whiskey. I think in this episode, we have Wild Turkey, the cheapest one she can find. Um, <laughs> but I'm one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek. And I'm the final host, Chris. So, guys, what did you think of this episode overall? Like, anything that immediately jumps out while you're... Thoughts. Uh, one of my favorite things has happened uh, in this episode, which is uh, all of the questions that we had and all the theories that we had were thrown away, thrown to the wind and told we're wrong. <laughs> Here's the actual answers. So we got loads of answers in this episode, which I really enjoyed. Chris? Same. Um, basically, they just, yeah, I don't think they so much threw them away as just literally went, ah, no, we've been playing you all along. This uh-huh. is the actual answer. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> so, then it did raise a hell of a lot more questions, mm-hmm. which I liked. It was basically like, for every question answered, there was another three that were opened. And I'm like, ah, oh, goddamn, now I've got to take war theories and conspiracy <laughs> theories. Always good. How about yeah. you, John? Yeah, I, I had that as well. And I also like the the whiskey watch, you know, another brand of whiskey. She really isn't fussy. It's it is all about the whiskey. Absolutely. Still no um, Irish whiskey yet, then. No Irish whiskey yet. Uh, but whiskey watch is here and it is beady-eyed on every whiskey bottle that she purchases and swigs. I'm wondering if she'll go bourbon just to mix things up midway through the season. She's done bourbon. Yeah, I And know. she's done scotch. Yeah. But this is her second brand of bourbon. She's done a Jim Beam. This is a Wild Turkey. And she's had a Cutty Sark as well. That's mm-hmm. the only scotch so far. And, of course, it was great to see the door make uh, another appearance in a really good little fun scene uh, yeah. between Jessica and, and two workmen. So that was really good. Um, but... Before we move on to uh, our discussion of the episode, for anyone listening for the first time or coming to it uh, anew, remember we do a five-point structure um, and go through the points uh, of this episode that we have found interesting, controversial, good, bad, or whatever else uh, takes our fancy. Uh, Remember, you can find us on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catchers such as uh, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod or Stitcher. If you have any feedback or comments or discussion on the show so far or for episode three, uh, four, five, each specific episode, please send it in to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can also join our Facebook page and group. Just search Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook or you can tweet to us at DefendersCast and all your thoughts and points. We'll be taking feedback in this episode as well um, at some point during our five-point discussion. I think with that, we'll move into our discussion of episode three, a.k.a. It's Called Whiskey. As usual for our episodes, we'll start out with a synopsis and then go into a full spoiler-filled discussion. So if you haven't watched episode three, make sure you do. Uh, The episode's obviously called, a.k.a. It's Called Whiskey. Uh, This was written by Liz Friedman and Scott Reynolds with a teleplay by Liz Friedman and directed by David Petrika. Um, So a slightly different setup here. It looks like Liz Friedman has written the overall story and then worked with another writer to bring the actual full thing to life here. Uh, John, do you want to tell us overall what we got? 
Luke and Jessica familiarise themselves intimately with each other as they explore one another and bond over their special abilities. But a picture of Luke's dead wife sparks a troubling memory in the mind of Jessica, one that she just seems unable to shake off. By day, however, Jessica is focused on acquiring surgical anaesthetic that she thinks she can use on Kilgrave and persuading Hope's legal team of actually defending her from the media scrutiny. As Jerry Hogarth agrees to explore Hope's explanation about mind control on Trish Talk, she seemingly rubbishes Hope's story for ulterior motives and in so doing places Trish Walker in grave danger. As Kilgrave attempts to dispatch Walker, Jessica foils his plans and attempts to deploy her own secret weapon against him, but comes undone as she is face-to-face with her nemesis and a chilling homage dedicated to Jessica Jones. And before we get into actual discussion, I just wanted to bring up one quick point that for somehow... That scene that um, John has just described in the synopsis has been boiled down to, and let me quote, Luke and Jessica familiarise themselves intimately. (laughs) So, John, is that how you would describe that scene? (laughs) Well, no, I suppose it's my first point. I was expecting, um, you know, after the angle grinder, that maybe, you know, I think I said at the last episode, maybe a pneumatic drill or a sander would be (laughs) deployed by Luke just to prove even further how uh, unbreakable uh, he is. But instead, we get a, a sort of a great test of strength. Yeah. And, the, and then a great test of, of um, a bed stamina uh, <laughs> and a bed frame. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, you know, RIP Luke's bed frame. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, that's your first point, yeah? Uh, my first point, yeah, is that, uh, you know, we get a really good immediate follow-on from the end of episode two where he's obviously angle grinding his abs and we start to get then this more intimate exploration between the the two protagonists Luke Cage and Jessica Jones here you know she's checking out his his body and then checks it out even further in the bed there's a bit of you know light masonry damage as, as they test the, their their strength. You know, this is rough sex uh, superhero style, mm-hmm. I suppose. And it was really good fun. It was really great to see. Um, and, I mean, then the rest of the episode is peppered with them just... It's almost, you know, it's the first meet. It's 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 new love and and it's just sex, sex, sex. Right. Uh, in between, you know, really harrowing scenes. Uh, but it's really, it's their way of escaping from Kilgrave for Jessica. And I suppose for Luke, I don't know, it's, uh, that's what he's good at as well, amongst <laughs> other things. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I have to agree with John. This was just hilarious. And it actually has fully ingrained into my psyche that... This show, this series, these Netflix MCU style are the Max series. Mm-hmm. This was basically Grey's Anatomy styled. Well, not even properly worse. I, I don't know. What, Fifty Shades of Grey, maybe. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, that's the one. I was, <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. They're actually the same show. Little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> the the Doctor Grey is the same doctor. No, anyway. I, I there is a reference to Grey's Anatomy in this episode as well, isn't, isn't there? Where uh, Jessica says that that's where she works. That she works in uh, in Grey's. 
Um, it was last last episode. It was last episode. Yeah, was yeah. 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 yeah they're all bleeding into one. <laughs> bleeding into one. <laughs> um, no, no, completely. I disagree. I just agree so much with John. This is just fully ingrained that this show is for 18 year olds and up this is Game of Thrones style we're going to get violence we're going to get hardcore sex um, we're going to get breaking of beds and furniture mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it yeah I mean I love how um, you know this this testing of their abilities like I think Jessica says I've never done it with someone who's gifted and boy you're gifted you right. know two rolled into one there that you know he's strong and he's gifted yeah. below the sheets, you know. <laughs> um, and it's just really, really good. Um, I must. I just loved how uh, they were testing how strong each other were, and actually, she could be stronger. Yeah. And um, Jessica Jones is the one that really can hold Luke Cage's power uh, that he displayed there in that bar fight in episode two, and now you know he's he's met his match in. This this little lady, um, but powerful and strong and mentally tough lady in Jessica Jones. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I love that moment because it really does feel like Lucas realizing how strong she really is, and it's great. I don't know whether she's stronger than him or whether he's holding back. There's no reason for him to like you go full force fighting with her. Um, that's not the point of the scene. It just looks like he's realizing. Hold on a second. This woman is powerful and very strong. Um, uh, yeah, really, really good scene, definitely. No, and that actually, this is my first point, and it's perfect segue. Is like I actually still think she's stronger. I don't think that right. was a uh, that scene in particular. That two, what three, four seconds. He looks like he's quivering against her. Mm-hmm. Like he, she's holding his arm, and then she forces it into a different direction. Yeah. Like I'm going, no, no, no. I think she's stronger. Right. Like he has unbreakable skin. That's fine. We do know he is somewhat. Strength augmented. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know how much, but I think that's a, a nice juxtaposition that he is the big hulking uh, man. But yeah, he's unbreakable, but he's probably not as strong. And then she's the small, little, frail, yeah. kind of white girl who could probably kick his white li- lily ass. <laughs> like she, she could. Like if yeah. looking at that, but I think that was the one I enjoyed. That was my kind of interesting point about it yeah yeah I think it's just the smile on his face it's just that that's what makes me think that maybe he is a bit stronger he's not going to test it on her obviously but it's just that smile on his face lets me know that he's really excited by the possibility of this woman being strong and the fact that he won't have to hold back in the bedroom like he probably does with other women the fact that he won't be, won't have to hold back with her at all because she can take whatever he gives to <laughs> whatever her whatever put it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, and there's what, so much sexual innuendo with this first topic. And, and what great Luke Cage saying does he come out with after one hell of a ride? Right. Sweet, Sweet Christmas! Christmas. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that I, that was purely put in just for the Marvel junkies. Because mm-hmm. everyone else would just go, that's quite strange. That's a weird thing to say. That's a weird thing to say after sex. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's his calling card. Exactly, yeah. Is yeah. That, it is straight, uh, quite a strange kind of battle cry mm-hmm. like if you think about it it's like Avengers assemble sweet Christmas <laughs> sweet like, baby Christmas <laughs> it's like no I just I'm not 100% that's gonna be the same striking fear into Hydra's no, heart as w- you the heroes for hires run into a room <laughs> and he battle cries well I suppose it's just that this huge hulking man in a yellow shirt mm-hmm. is running through a wall at you and he's yelling that you'll be like 
I do, what? Yeah, it's not. It's not really like the uh, like the wahoo of the uh, of the Helen Commandos. Uh, really, really good. But another element of that scene that I, that kind of leads me on to my first point um, is actually about the creepy neighbor who's watching the two of them have sex, basically, <laughs> yeah. and then eventually interrupts and says that it's Reuben, isn't it? Uh, he eventually interrupts and says that his sister. Uh, thinks they're too loud, um, essentially, and that's why. But you don't know how long he's been standing there watching the two of them make out and have sex in, in Jessica's office. Um, she really needs to fix that door. She does. <laughs> Luckily, she does. But she does. Yeah. <laughs> well, then she breaks it again. Yeah. But the other interesting point about Ruben is that he is actually quite similar to a character in the comic books. Character is act- is also called Malcolm. So this gets, starts to get a little bit confusing, so stick with me. Um, so Malcolm in the TV show is the heroin-addicted neighbour. Um, and Reuben is one of the twins that live upstairs, the creepy neighbours upstairs. In the comic books, there's a, a character called Malcolm who is constantly interrupting Jessica in her office and looking for a job from her. He's basically the annoying kid character uh, in the comic books. What I think they've done here is taken that character and called him Reuben and kept Malcolm as a completely different character, and he's now the heroin addict in the show. But again, really nice they're taking something from the source material in Alias. Love the book. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And I always wanted to see that character of Malcolm kind of uh, brought a bit more to the forefront. So uh, really enjoy seeing at least Ruben here taking on some of that ca- those characteristics for the TV show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, like, he's certainly becoming, you know, a an episode special guest, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there all the time, or reoccurring guest, I should say. Like, he's there, and it'll be really interesting just to see how that relationship develops and um, it seems as though still his sister is the annoying one mm-hmm. that jessica is always going to just be like i just don't like you or i don't get you yeah. or just leave me alone in peace um but the, there seems to be some kind of connection forming maybe with reuben there and yeah. it'll be interesting just to see what happens whether he, he goes down that road and actually starts to help her out or whether the Malcolm in the TV show will be the person that does that. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're a good little foil, actually, within the apartment block to yeah. have the, the twins there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if it wasn't for his casual racism, um, she never would have come up with a plan to uh, to take Malcolm to the hospital later on. So uh, he's helping her out in a very weird way. <laughs> and he is a very weird character. But I do like the like that, again, they're using stuff from the comics. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that the, the Malcolm that we have in the TV show was probably going to be attempted to be maybe this Malcolm mm-hmm. from the, the source material. I say you're probably tested wrong and they've added in these characters or, or like this other two twins or I, it just seems that like from the first episode, it looks and sounds like Malcolm from the TV show is going to be the comedic element of, yeah. and then we kind of see he's been, petered off gosh he's getting worse and worse yeah. as the episodes go on isn't he he's yeah. just really going down that rabbit hole of just taking way too much heroin this isn't a guy who goes out and parties every night taking e and going and going dancing all night this is a guy that takes a lot of heroin and doesn't Chasing know the dragon yeah it doesn't know the last time he's eaten doesn't know whether he's bleeding yeah. or not this kind of stuff it's yeah well and he gets knocked over doesn't he um by yeah. by the bike and i mean jessica kind of helps him out there sees him in the street close to the apartment helps him out um and he does kind of come uh, back to her and say, Jessica, you're a good person. And of course, that sets up maybe um, later on in the episode where she has, in effect, used him in order to get 
um, this surgical anesthetic that she needs um, to sort of progress her her plan, as it yeah. were, to to stop Kilgrave. For me, I think that's the first kind of real dynamic between these two characters. Uh, there's been a bit of a jokey one. I, I do like the fact that Malcolm seems to be going into everyone's um, apartment and, mm-hmm. and eating their peanut butter <laughs> or something. But um, I've, this, to me, is the first real kind of true interaction between the two, and it'll be interesting how how or if that progresses um, any further. Yeah, it does kind of lead on to my to one of my points that I have, which is uh, about Jessica's plan here to get the drugs, uh, which she found out in the last episode, can possibly tone down Kilgrave's powers. Um, really interesting and very different for a superhero uh, or for a superhero show or for a comic book. She essentially will use anybody around her to take down Kilgrave because she knows how bad he is, and I, and I get that, definitely. But she starts to use actually tries to use uh, Jerry uh, Hogarth's wife, um, who's a doctor, trying to get her to give her the drugs. She tries to use Luke Cage um, because he knows drug dealers, so tries to get drugs off him. And then when none of that works, she takes this basically helpless heroin addict, brings him to the hospital, drops him on the floor and uses him as well, and leaves him behind as she she walks out of the hospital, leaves him behind to be, essentially, he's probably going to get arrested because he's a heroin addict and just leaves him behind. Um, so she's really willing to throw everybody under the bus to take down Kilgrave, which is very different for a superhero. But there's one thing I would say about that. like She's resourceful, and I suppose as a PI, that's where she's coming from. She's being resourceful. She's using her world, her environment, her mm. connections in order to progress the, this... Um, this requirement uh, that she needs to get the the anaesthetic. Mm. But at the same time, I do think that her moral centre is slightly different from, say, the Avengers. She cares about people, she says that. And I think you can see that she's not necessarily happy that she's done that to Malcolm. Absolutely. Um, but really well played it, scene. Yeah, really but, well it, but it's necessary in order to get the job done and to stop a greater kind of evil, as it were. And I think that's the same um, that you saw with her in the the room with the um, sort of paralysed um, and and the stroke victim, yeah. the, the, the ambulance driver. It, it's something where, like... In a sense, she's there to get information, and all of a sudden, she's she's taken hold of with quite an emotional um, aspect to that interaction and, and that world that he's in because he says, "Kill me," yeah. and she says, "I'm sorry," but she just has to leave. She doesn't. She's not trying to kill him, and she's not necessarily trying to do anything else to help him. She just has to say. I'm really sorry, but I've got to leave yeah. and, and progress this. And I think that's another example uh, of that as well. Yeah, because I kind of feel that the reason, one of the reasons she didn't kill him is because it wouldn't have been useful to her to do that. It would have just set her back. She would have been accused by the police. The the, the mother would have had a problem with it, obviously, which is really bad. Um, there is something very different about Jessica's character. I love how she's played, but there's something very different. As you say, the moral center is a bit off from what we would normally see in comic books and in TV shows. Yeah, no, I think um, just kind of on this, and I, I, I'm kind of pulling my, I'm putting my flag down now. Um, in that, I think this is going to be the they're telegraphing the the story part where it's do the means justify the end. Yeah, it's very yeah. much. She's going to go down. She's going to do something to Trish. She's going to do something to Malcolm, which she already did. She's mm-hmm. going to she's going to alienate all her friends. 
And we know that she had already done that to a degree before this season one, episode one started. Yeah. She was pushing away Trish. She was dangerous, blah, blah, blah. I think this is where it's going to be. Do You're going to do all these evil things. Do the means justify the end. Absolutely. She's going to have a moral reawakening. I'm, it, it's kind of telegraphing that. Now, based on what we've seen before, this could be a complete feint. Maybe, yeah. That it won't happen that way. We've already seen because she's now involved Trish, Trish is hurt. Yeah. Because she's involved Malcolm, Malcolm is now arrested in the hospital. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because he looks, and he looks away. So she's ruining relationship after relationship. Mm-hmm. She She's done something to Luke. Well, she hasn't done something. She feels bad, and she's destroyed that relationship. So basically, she's systematically destroying everything mm-hmm. in her desire to go after Kilgrave and stop Kilgrave when she was happy. When she thought happy to leave him, thought he was dead. Yeah, uh, is it really her job? No, I just I think that's where it's going towards that she'll have this. Trish will sit her down and go, "You're doing too much. You're, you're turning into him." Blah right. blah blah. I, I still will enjoy that <laughs> story arc, but hopefully it's not acted like that. No, no. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, ah, la la la. But yeah, to use a Star Trek kind of reference, um, this is the the. A qu- the question from Spock of the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few. Um, that is an interesting uh, version of the of the moral center. But when the needs of the few are the fre- the only friends she has around her, that she's throwing all of them under the bus, as I say, um, <laughs> that's quite that's a quite bunch. a significant bit, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> a significant point for the character, definitely. Um, John, do you have the next point? I do. I think um, there's a lot of great backstory elements that that come out here. And I think for me what comes out here is the two of um, them, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, bonding over being superheroes. Post-coitus. Yeah, absolutely. Post-coitus. Everyone Abs- needs a good falafel after post-coitus. Definitely. Um, and pretty. <laughs> bit of coffee, bit of water, um, just to, to get the strength back for, for round two. And, um, you know, we find out that Jessica was a result of an accident in terms yes. of getting her powers and Luke Cage uh, the result of an experiment. Yes, so as I mentioned earlier on, this is the one that absolutely destroyed my theory that these are possibly superheroes uh, that exist in the universe that were born like this. They absolutely asked the question of each other, were you born like this? Nope. Accident, uh, no experiment. <laughs> so. No, exactly. And I think, um, you know, with Luke Cage, that was, um, you know, his backstory is generally that he was put in prison and in order to kind of get early parole, he signs up to this program, which is testing an experimental drug. Yeah. And he gets overdosed with that and that's how he gets his his, his unbreakable skin. Um, I think another li- nice little twist in this is that Jessica, in terms of trying to find this surgical anaesthetic, goes to Luke Cage as well, Mm. asking for um, whether he knows anyone on the streets and so on. And he goes, you know, of course, kind of thing. I work in a a dive bar in Hell's Kitchen. Of course, I know drug dealers. Exactly. Um, He just can't get the surgical anaesthetic. That is beyond his, his range. But... That's a nice little connection there for for Luke Cage because the reason he's in prison is over a girl and he's framed for heroin possession. So he does have an intimate backstory with with drug dealing and that and being framed. So that was kind of a nice little touch. Mm. Um, With Jessica Jones, her accident um, is an accident that also involves the loss of her parents. But after that, I'm not entirely sure um, how she gets her her superpowers what what it's from and i think um, at the very least we're going to get that in a future episode we'll definitely get more details of their backstories won't we 
I would think so. But I, I think another thing that's really good here is that, you know, we, we find out a bit more about this kind of more street level uh, superhero where, you know, Luke Cage is quite uh, honest and open. And he says being a hero just puts a target on your back. I mean, he kind of just doesn't want that hassle, it yeah. would seem. Um, and with Jessica Jones, she goes, well, I did the superhero gig and it just didn't work out. You know, it it didn't work out for her. Like she got maybe too involved or, it, you know, the Kilgrave elements here. And it was just like, no, I'm, I don't want that. I will just try and build this new life as a, a PI. So I thought this was really a nice little um, exploration of their backstories here. Definitely. Yeah, no, completely. Um, just going back to what you said about the, the experiment for Luke was well, in the comics that is uh, Project Rebirth which is the super soldier serum, Captain America. They tried to on a number of criminals mm-hmm. first, um, and that was great. And then actually, yeah, that's completely kind of one of my points as well, in that um, Jessica saying the hero gig, done that once, never again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in a fun way was the costume. And it's like, ooh, sweet, do you still have the costume? Of course, because you're going to ask that. If someone's been running around latex, latex and spandex, you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay, have you got that hidden, hi- hiding away there somewhere? Uh, which is what I thought was a great kind of, again, comedy insertion into something where the rest of us were all geeking out. Yeah, absolutely. But Jessica doesn't take it very well. Luke is, Luke is thinking it's a playful comment of, can you put on the costume for me kind of thing. But Jessica doesn't take that very well and kind of stands up and yeah. walks away for a second, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, to get another coffee or something. But but uh, yeah, you can tell she doesn't really like the idea of sticking back on that costume. No, so we that, that basically has us 100% cemented that she was Jewel at some point. Mm-hmm. So she did a, qu- a quick run as that. We also know that she... Uh, jumps. Mm-hmm. She, he goes, do you fly? He goes, no, I just jump really, oh, yes. really high. Fine answering your yeah. question from exactly. episode one. Yeah. So uh, she kind of says, it's kind of like jumping. And I'm like, okay, so I think that means she can fly, but it's just that she hasn't got full control because even in the comic books in uh, Pulse and um, which again, I guess, as Derek so kindly pointed out, uh, between episodes while we were recording this, I have been Wikipediaing um, <laughs> Jessica Jones in her background. I knew parts of her. I haven't read Alias and I haven't read Pulse, um, but I'm and I'm waiting because these are going to be good. Yes, but I know from her from her new Avengers days. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some of the later episodes of the comics, she does fly mm. uh, I think but again apparently according to the kind of backstory in Wikipedia she is she couldn't fly she just jumped a lot when she was uh, Jewel yes she's not the greatest of superheroes I think is, is kind of what we get yeah um, we won't, won't go into too much more because I think we're going to get a version of this in the show. I think they're going to give more of the backstory in the show, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys about the backstory. But fundamentally, she's just not the greatest of superheroes, which is why she kind of gave it up. Yeah. The, that's the... Well, maybe that's not the reason, but we'll we'll talk well, about it, I'm sure, as we get to those episodes. But very much, it's not... She is not Supergirl. She's not Miss Marvel. She's not at that level. She's not Captain America. She's certainly not a top tier of the Avengers kind of level of power. Um she tried it once, it didn't work out for us, kind of what we get from this, yeah. yeah. Funny you should mention the Avengers, that was one of my happiest moments. You're not like Green Dude and his crew. Mm-hmm. So apparently <laughs> Hulk is leading the Avengers. I was like, that is brilliant. The I, Green Dude and his crew. I like that. And not even Captain America, not Iron Man, you kind of the guys we would think as the central pivot of, the, 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 the central 
core of the Avengers. No, no, no. It's the green dude. Yeah. Um, but I do like the how, how Luke is connecting the two of them to the Avengers there, essentially saying, you know, are we the only ones out here? Is it just the Avengers and the two of us? Yeah. Or is there more? And again, that's, that is the other thing that tips Jessica over because she knows there is one more, and that's Kilgrave. Yeah. And I think I'm just happy they have finalized it's gifted. Mm-hmm. So we're getting, we, we, okay, hashtag gifted. We're, we're in a good spot there, and I'm quite happy with that. And that just answered my uh, point from very much earlier on uh, that we were talking about. Yeah, and a bit of feedback that we got in on that episode. And on, Ooh, and on reader mail. Yeah. Um, Mailstorm? Uh, Mailstorm. I yeah. like it. Uh, Paramail. Um, so. <laughs> Iron mail. Chain mail? <laughs> That's so Dave, Dave Wang came back and said, read Chris's point number three about uh, why this stupid gifted crap. Uh, he says, I wonder why they can't use superpowered for neutral usages and something like freak for derogatory usage. What's the problem with that? Um, uh, there is none. There, there is none, actually. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, like, the sooner they can just sort out sort of general terminology on this, uh, it is a shame it's all sort of mixed up and restrained through sort of copyright rights and proprietary yeah. rights. I mean, because it, it kind of makes it a bit kind of yeah legal, I suppose, in that sense. But it's kind of, yeah, it's just a shame they can't use these words. I mean, it's part of the Eng- English language, you know. As, as a writer, you kind of like want to go, well, this dictionary is available to me for, yeah. for entire use. And all of a sudden, a lawyer comes in and goes, well, actually, this is copyrighted in this specific uh publication that we've bought the rights from i mean i understand proprietary rights i get it um but whether it should be on by the way (laughs) but but whether it should be on words is another matter entirely i mean it is crazy that association of words with characters i don't know it it's a bit strange sometimes but yeah i agree why not just use this um superpowers superheroes or freaks uh you know Oh, possibly mutant, <laughs> um, you know, or something like that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's. I, I agree. I, I would love them to get to that point. Um, I'd say the reason they haven't, when they're doing these types of shows, is they want to seg- segment themselves from yeah. the Fox usage, the uh, CW usage, the DCU, the DCTVU. They, they all have the. They're different. They're metahumans. They're they all want to call themselves and define them something, define themselves as something else. Yeah. So you have the enhanced being the Inhumans, the gifted being the superheroes, mm. or the 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 accidental, the Spider Mans, the Jessica Jones, the Luke Cage's. They are the gifted. Um, I think that's why they're, they're 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 literally trying to put a, as you say, a proprietary usage on. Oh no, we own this word. And yeah. that's what they just want to, they want to copyright that because we can't get a mutant in there. Um, so yeah, to David's point, I, I'd love them just to go super powered and freak as a derogatory. And we'd have a similar description of all these different types of powers just under one label. Yeah. I think it's really either just a business choice for each of the, for Marvel versus DC versus CW. Mm. They want to flag their claim onto a particular word. Um, I'd love it, though. It just yeah. when they go back, it would just be, 
Oh, you're a superhero. Yeah, Grant. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I think it's still, I still make the point that I do think it's because they're not all connected. There's no newspaper telling them what to call. So each character has their own version of this. Just kind of like in The Walking Dead, as I said last time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but Derek, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is the big kind of character moment here for Trish. This episode has a lot of Trish in it. When I was going through my notes that I took after the episode, I was surprised at how heavily involved she is in the episode and how big uh, her character is. We had a little bit of her last episode and a little bit about what she does and the fact that she produces a radio show. This time we get to see the radio show. We get to see her training in her house. We get to see her take down Jessica Jones, which is quite significant. Uh, we get the attack by the officer um, who comes to her home and see how strong she really is, uh, essentially. Uh, and we get to see her attack Kilgrave on her radio show, which is an absolutely phenomenal scene. And probably the one I'm going to talk about is probably my favorite scene of the episode um, during the radio call-in that she has with Hope. Um, she, ha she has a moment where she calls out Kilgrave, and I think it's fantastic because we get the call back in from Kilgrave. He calls into the show and tells her, if you've got a man with the power that you think uh, that you're talking about in the show, why would you challenge him? Do you think that's a good idea? A uh, real threatening moment from Kilgrave with another character in the show. And I really like that, definitely. Yeah, again, that's why we don't do uh, live podcasting with <laughs> live phone-ins, because anyone that says, uh, you know, long-time listener... First-time caller. First-time caller. Mm -hmm. You know they're evil. Yeah, evil. Yeah. yeah, But that was great. I love the fact he came in to that space that they had set up um, for Trish and Hope to, to discuss... Uh, uh, and that he kind of like he crashed it, uh, mm -hmm. and he came in and he, you know, didn't give himself away. He just asked these hypothetical questions about is is what you've done a good idea? And I thought it was really menacing, really good. Yeah. Absolutely, loving David Tennant doing that. And I think like this episode anyway. I just thought, you know, David Tennant as Kilgrave really really starts to come out um, and play. That's yeah. really good. And the reaction from Hope, who can hear him on the other end of, of Jerry's phone when she's in prison. Again, she thinks she's away from Kilgrave. She thinks she's safe. She's in a prison. But just the voice of him can tell her what she needs to do and can control her. So she knows this and is freaked out. Yeah. No, completely. Um, it was almost tentacular. Yes, I am copywriting that one. Tenantacular. Um, no, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant scene. I don't know how I felt. I, it was it was very ominous, but it was also um, I think very well calculated. And it was it's not until later in the episode that you understand a bit more why Trish did what she did, um, while Kilgrave kind of responded the way he responded. Mm. I think this they're they're setting again. They're with these episodes and the kind of we're not even into our first fall four. Um, they're setting the foundations. They're yeah. going, okay, we're just giving you backstory. We're giving you character plot development. We're, we're making you understand that uh, David Tennant, Kilgrave, is so vain that everything must be 100% perfect, even his kidneys. Mm -hmm. He loves the way things, the way he loves it. If, but if you challenge him, he's going to go, you stupid little. Yeah. Like, that would be the stupidest idea you could. And he's just going to tell you flat out. So I think that was more just to kind of show his ego. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was a great way of doing it. Absolutely. And I love that it also shows that Trish is willing to stand up to him. Yeah. Um, she's gone through this with Jessica. She sees the toll it's taken. She knows what's happened to Hope now. And she's just willing to, you know, it's, it's personal safety be damned, essentially. She doesn't care what happens to her. She's not going to let him control her from... 
uh, from the other side of the airwaves, but it does show that he can. Um, basically, from this point onwards, wherever she goes, wherever she's going to be, there could be someone under the control of Kilgrave um, that could challenge her. I do really like that. It's a real good strength of her character to stand up to him, but a really scary moment. Yeah, I think this actually leads on as well to my next point, which is just the whole Trish talk situation that to me actually now seems to be, it's been forced by Jerry Hogarth. Um, and it has undesired consequences for, for Trish uh, in that phone call, definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Jerry was looking for that to happen. But I love the fact that, you know, um, Jessica has kind of really st- been at Jerry Hogarth to really defend Hope, you know, start to, like, earn your your legal fee kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hope's been um, scrutinised in, in, in the press, on the radio and all this. And, you know, is in a sense being kind of, like, dismissed that she's hiding behind the mantra that, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, and Jessica asks the question, you know, but what if the devil made you do it? Yeah. Um, and it's... It's a really interesting thing, and I think it's great, actually, character development for Jerry Hogarth, because in this, Carrie Ann Moss, it's really that I'm the only one that's important, but from a legal sense, she is pure legal. Um, And I think that's what comes out from this, because initially, it looks like she's trying to get rid of hope from the case, like throw hope under the under the bus where she kind of says, you know, she comes back to Trish Walker and says, you can see that this delusion now is well embedded, that she doesn't believe what hope is saying. And she's her defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's all a scheme, a, a, another motive by Jerry as a lawyer to not be the one that poses the question as to whether mind control could actually happen. And she leaves that to Trish, where Trish comes in to defend Hope and say, because of her experience with Jessica, to say, look, this is something that could actually happen. Um, And it allows Jerry the legal freedom to pose that question then when she actually defends um, Hope. And rather than being ridiculed, she'll go, it wasn't me that brought up this idea. This exactly. is a theory and a proposition that I'm giving. I don't need to answer whether it actually happens. This was raised, put into the public conscience by yeah. Trish Walker. So really legal, a, a really manipulative. Absolutely. Um, but just a really fantastic um, little sort of plan hatched by Jerry, um, sort of circumventing you know, doing what Jessica wants her to do, but then circumventing it so that she can ultimately back a winning horse Absolutely. rather than a, a loser, as she said. And so I, I find that really, really a great scene for for Jerry Hogarth here. And I think yeah. this is one of her biggest ones um, so far, really, in, in terms of manipulating people. So I thought that was really good. And of course, then it does link in then to the danger that Trish comes under as a result of doing that. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And that then that kind of, um, this is another segue. It perfectly central. Yeah. It's almost like a junction. Um, no, that kind of brings into my third point, which was, yeah, um, Trish's, Trish's, so we had Jerry's character development Mm -hmm. to show that she is so, 
She is she is a sneaky lawyer. Mm-hmm. She was crafty and clever. Uh, we also, she actually is the one that's preventing us from from using mutants yes. and superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then here in this, we also have see Trisha's character development, and yes. as you kind of mentioned, those other points in terms of the kind of the the way she's putting herself out there, etc. Mm. We have more in that she had a fingerprint scanner on the front of her door. Right. She is a steel reinforced door. She had bulletproof glass. Mm-hmm. Um, she now knows she showed the Kravaga, like, and it's full on. So we thought it was just maybe self defense. No, yeah. no, no. She is kind of more at it. When did you become a ninja? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, love I love that. Um, but then also we found that maybe her mother beat her up. Because mm. um, uh, Jessica says, Is your mother back? Uh, did she give you those bruises? That's right, yeah. Um, right. So we're going to go, oh, Okay, so maybe there was a. Um, a past in terms of a, a violent past mm. and that's why she's decided to become she I think I think they're trying to play on the fact okay no she just wants to look after herself she says Jessica um, I believe and again I'm paraphrasing it was along the lines of I don't need you to look after me anymore yeah I can take care of myself yeah so did Jessica kind of was Jessica her defender but a bunch nice. uh, as a child uh, mm-hmm. or as a thing uh, again the relationship how is this to get how does this working yeah we, um, like we know in this episode they used to live together because yeah. um, the training room that she has used to be Jessica's bedroom so as you said we know they live together um but then there was the accident um in mm-hmm. the comic books her um the, the origin story is she was in a car accident mm-hmm. she loses her parents she becomes super powered she goes to a foster family blah 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 are they kind of taking a play on that in this? They were not just best friends. They're stepsisters. Right. Foster sisters. Right, because Trisha's mother possibly was abusive. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Jessica stopped her. Then they moved out together and they stayed. And yeah. then they, they they did the whole... That's as, a really cool notion, though. Because, yeah. I mean, I know I was kind of saying, well, you know, what is their relationship? Is yeah. it lovers, uh, given how sexual this yeah. show is? Are they just friends? Yeah. You know... There is the idea of Hellcat here with Trish Walker. So, you know, is it just that they're superheroes that worked together previously? Uh, like, it didn't even cross my mind, potentially, um, about the the stepsister front. I think that's a really kind of I think cool that would little be, theory, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be, ni- be a nice way. So then she has the lover in Luke. She has the employer um, in Jerry. She has the uh, weirdo friends in the the, the apartment block, and yeah. then she has the sister. Yeah, and then the enemy is Kilgrave, who was the the ex lover, the the evil boss. The he's the bad side. But yeah. I think the sister would be a nice angle, Absolutely. and I'm liking that. It, again, pure speculation. We're on episode three. It yes. was just the the way she said. Is your mother back? Yeah. Is she beating you? Uh, then all the reinforced. I think maybe Trish is like Trish helped push um, the uh, costume element done that once maybe. with Jessica. Yeah. And now when Jessica stopped and she ran away and they left the apartment, now Trish is thinking, okay, I can be the next. Yeah. Kind of, and that's there again. It's just it, it, I think it's great. They're giving enough tidbits mm-hmm. in each episode. It's like a little breadcrumb, and I'm like, I'm just speculating. My mind's running a, a, a muck, yeah. kind of going. But I do like this new sister thing. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I want to see if if it's kind of going to play out. Yeah, that. I think we'll kind of answer my question of why Trish seems so uh, not unconnected to Jessica's world as well. So they may be, they may have had sisterly lives, but they probably came from very different backgrounds to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah a very good theory. No, it's just it's an interesting one. Yeah. So Derek, what's your next point? 
I want to continue on the Trish point. Hey! Because <laughs> uh, Trish loving. Because this really is a big episode for her as a character. Um, the attack on her by, I think it's Officer Simpson, um, who comes to her door under the control of Kilgrave. And I have to say, when we were watching this, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind when he arrived at the door that he was uh, that he was under the power of Kilgrave. Yeah. She does everything correctly. She doesn't let him in uh, until she sees ID. She's very, very secure in what she's doing. But the whole time, I think, Chris, you were shouting at the screen going, don't let him in. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, it was let, like, him don't let him in. Yeah. I just thought she should have, once she got his ID, she should have found the police. Yeah, very good. That was a good, good option. Good option. Um, but what we do know is we've seen the training. We've seen what she's done. We know that she can really kick ass. Um, so I kind of was thinking she's going to be pretty prepared for this. She is. She has uh, She has her club in her hand as he comes in the door. She knows if he attacks, how to take him out. But the unfortunate part about this here is um, she's not super prepared. Um, that's the one thing that really stands out. She had Jessica used to protect her, as she's mentioned. She is super powered. Um, Trish isn't super powered. She is well trained in self-defense. But this guy remember under the control of Kilgrave is being told you must kill this woman so his entire every all his his training is going into killing her he's not just your standard foe um and it's a really difficult moment if Trish, if, if Jessica hadn't turned up when she did Trish would have been dead definitely yeah and that one throw when mm. Jessica like literally just pushes him with her again one-handed yeah and we get a, a camera pan and it's literally him flying sidewards yeah. into a bookshelf and I'm like okay so they're really playing on the power thing and I completely yeah, yeah agree as I said I as you said I was shouting at the like it was so obvious we yeah. all knew it 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 was a bit of a trope to be slightly is like oh yeah okay we know there's a cop coming to the door mm. he, we know he's gonna be bad they did show that she's not as prepared as we want her to to be yeah as in she's still learning Krav Maga she's Absolutely. not you said she's not super powered yeah she's she's not Hellcat yet she's not anything she's a woman who is training every day yeah. In her very strong though. I thought the yeah. actual fight itself really so, it showed, a, showed a competency in what she's doing. I love the scene in the previous episode where she was taking the gun off her trainer, um, and essentially she'll keep fighting because she heard the click of the gun, which means she would have been dead. So she knows how hard she needs to train to get this proper uh, self defense up. Um, so she does feel pretty confident, and I think that's shown in the scene definitely. But unfortunately, when you have someone that's being sent at you by Kilgrave with the in, with the absolutely in, intense want to kill you uh, it seems like that can be that can overpower you um, but I thought it was a brilliant scene really really good yeah I love the setup as well for it that the reason why the cop is there is because coming out of Trish talk she beats up a fan because they think he's controlled by Kilgrave <laughs> right. he's just asking for to for an autograph on a on a book or a comic is it and um, so it was like that was cool I love yeah. the setup there definitely I do love it after he's been punched by her and drop to the ground he still goes I want an autograph <laughs> he still <laughs> yeah. looks for the autograph afterwards but. yeah uh, and I'm loving that you brought this up it's almost like we planned it uh, there's an <laughs> easter egg very much there uh, and now go with me on this go with me so he drops a comic book called Patsy Walker mm-hmm. um, for our eagle eyed fans uh, that was an Atlas comic book right um, so Atlas Marvel Comics was Atlas Comics before we its birth 
yes. of Marvel Comics. Yes. Um, and they had a comic book called Patsy Walker. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that's actually one of them. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, in Daredevil, we had Atlas shipping. That's right. Yep. So and it was the Atlas logo. Again, this had this was actually a direct link back to Atlas in that it's a Patsy Walker comic book. Where I'm going with this is Patricia Walker, Trish Walker in the comic books. Um, the way she is, or who she is, is that her she is semi-famous because they retconned her mm-hmm. um, from this uh, Archie-like Patsy Walker comic okay. into the comic books. And she had a comic book in the comic books written about her wow, okay. by her mother called Patsy Walker right. but on Atlas Comics. Um, cool. So she actually has a set of comics written about her. Okay. So I, what they're doing here is then maybe like Hellcat... She is Hellcat. She has a comic book written about her as a child by her mother uh, called Patsy okay, Walker. Maybe. And that's why he handed the Patsy Walker comic book to her. Uh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's kind of like Gone Girl, where, where his, uh, Ben Affleck's wife in that has a has a comic book written about her as a kid or books written about her as a kid. And that's how she's gotten famous and gotten all of her money. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting yeah, idea. So I think it was a nice... It, I, it's like a Russian doll the way you've explained it yes. <laughs> a lot of comics within comic That's books cool. within comic books so I hope but, you've stayed with us on that one yeah. listeners but if that not just literally Google Patsy Walker Comics Atlas Comics right. and you'll see I, I want to know if it was actually a real one that, yeah. or was it just a a nice uh, kind of reproduction of some kind right but i thought it was just a nice easter egg yeah interesting point chris i guess we'll, we'll see if we can find out whether that is an original issue we'll see if we can see, see a copy of it on the on the internet john what's your next point um it's the face-to-face with kilgrave between oh, yes. jessica you know she she's saved trish walker and she's she's sort of tracking the the cop who's going back to kilgrave and and there we have it. They they meet face to face through the the glass of this apartment, and you know you hear David Tennant with some pretty fruity language, you know, <laughs> going on watching the the soccer, like really just that great face off. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved it, and I, I love yeah. then how that all develops. Um, I presume as well that the the family from apartment one two eight B are probably dead, or just going insane with whatever mind control he's placed uh, into their brains. And um, because this is a different apartment, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it was just a really good sort of that that meeting. You know, Jessica trying to save the cop from chucking himself off the. The, the roof garden yeah, uh, to the street me, below. It, it reminded me of Lemmings for some reason. That <laughs> wee, game, it was like wee, he was constantly wee. going to the edge to throw himself <laughs> off and you had to pull him back. Yeah. You know, and then obviously there's the the whole and um, then chase and, and everything. I just right. I thought it was really good. It was great to see, you know, that that meeting of, of the two. And just as their eyes meet through the patio door, yeah, that's really a really interesting one. I just um, actually remembered she never took uh, Trisha's phone back. No, not that we saw. Not anyway. that we saw. From the cop. From the mm, cop. Yeah. It was a great way of tracking it. Very James Bondy yes kind smart, of things. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, if she that's a that's a that's a thousand dollar phone. I know. It's you very, better get that back. Ah, uh, Trish can afford it. It's yeah, okay. that's true. <laughs> Actually, what David Tennant was watching in in there wasn't soccer, which I thought was interesting. This is our second rugby reference. Oh, I, it was rugby. Yeah, I oh, wonder. Okay. If, I wonder if this was being recorded during the Rugby World Cup earlier on this year because it's really surprising that an American show would have rugby being watched. But the reason why I know is because he goes. Um, he says, uh, you ginger twat, do you not know a spear tackle when you see one, essentially, which is a rugby term. So, yeah. uh, and there the you reason, go, users, uh, listeners. And the reason why that particularly stood out to me was because the first person that attacks 
uh, Jessica is a ginger-haired guy. So I like, to, I like the connection between the two of those That's... lines that, uh, that Kilgrave's calling someone a ginger twat on TV and then a ginger guy attacks uh, attacks Jessica. Um, my point about the fight, because it is an epic um, idea in here, is this is what real minions look like in this version of the Marvel Universe. You know, in in, uh, in the Avengers and in... Uh, and in all the films, it's tended to be there's loads of uh, there's loads of bad guys, and they've got all their they've got all their um, their disciples around them, or they've got people that believe in what they're doing. In Jessica Jones, this is essentially Kilgrave choosing a family, our family unit, and telling them to go after Jessica Jones. He's also told the cop to go after Trish, and essentially, it's showing how many weapons he can create with just uh, just a word to them. He's suddenly got an army around him that can take down. Uh, anybody he wants them to take down, which I think is fascinating. It's re- a really different version of having a huge army at your command, um, much much different from um, like the Avengers with the Shatari, which is just an invading force from another planet for some reason. Um, this is much different and much creepier to me. Yeah, definitely. No, and I, I think that was the the that's going to be the difference between in de- most of the fight scenes we'll see. Mm-hmm. In that, these people are not thugs like in Daredevil or gangbangers or uh, the, the the Chinese triads or whatever we have yeah. that were in Daredevil that were, as you said, were the expendable minions. Yeah. Jessica Jones, she she doesn't want to do this. She goes, I'm really sorry about this and then throws the mother. Yeah. And then when she grabs the son, it's go to sleep, go to sleep, where she could have just, she had him in a neck hold. She could have just twisted and then you hear the, yeah. and then that's a, a broken neck and it's done and dusted. She, she's known, she's like, no, go asleep, go asleep. Yeah. And she takes damage. We can see she's not invulnerable. She doesn't have an unbreakable skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does bleed. Um, cause she takes, I, I don't know where the cuts on her face came from. That's what I was trying to figure she's out. She's thrown around quite a bit. And, oh, I think it might be from the fall from the roof when she saves Officer Simpson. Ah, right. Um, okay. As she falls, uh, holding him. I think she gets a couple of cuts and bruises, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's the army of innocence that uh, that Kilgrave has at his command. Yeah, really. It's uh, yeah. I, I just think that's an absolutely terrifying idea because Kilgrave himself. Hopefully, he's not listening. Um, he's a bit of a wuss, really. I doubt that he's going to get into a fist fight with any powered character. Uh, but the minute he opens his mouth, he's going to be able to turn you against whoever he wants you uh, wants to turn you against. Um, yeah, please don't turn me against my friends. Um, <laughs> And then, oh, sorry, the part on this kind of extended scene that I want to talk about was the, the our third episode and our third shuddering and oh my god moment, the room with the photos. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The printer just going off. Yeah, and, like that whole creepy collage that he's got. Uh, to it was some great, his. great artwork. Great yeah. artwork. Like yeah. he, he, he is talented. I'll give him that. He can arrange photos in a fantastic way. Mm. Um, but again, yep, yeah, I think what we're seeing is in every episode there is going to be a. Uh, that kind of uh, either uh, as I said in the last our last episode, it's a juddering moment and oh my god, powerful moment. Yeah. Some type of powerful emotion will be pulled through. So we have now had the uh, the we've now had the photo. This room with the photos. We've had this room with um. We've had the kill me moment. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously in the first one we had the lick. Mm-hmm. So every episode has some type of scene where it is. Kind of, oh my God. Absolutely. And I mean, you can see that it disturbs her to the core because she goes back to Luke's um, bar outside and looks around to see 
how did he get that photograph yeah. of me? And the, the, I spotted that there was even one of us sat on the subway um, from episode two. And you're kind of going, is he controlling multiple people? Has he almost uh, generated a hive of, of people that he's controlling? Yeah. And he's kind of making that... Uh, suggestion to them to take photos of her whenever they see her or is it him or is he using some kind of network of cameras or you know how is he coming to have all these um, photographs of certain uh, moments that she doesn't know yeah how it's happening and that is really it's that stalking it's that uh, real creepy surveillance yeah that's going on a really really cool definitely. it is I, I got that impression that it's something like he's he's put this idea in hundreds of people's heads when you see jessica jones take a photograph of her and send it to this address almost that's why yeah. the printer's going off constantly you know and um, that's what it feels like and, then and the that's ending. really creepy because if if it was him, if he was taking the photograph, she'd recognize him. She'd yeah. know he's there. Um, but the fact that he can hide out essentially in other people's minds to take photographs of her wherever she goes is, is so creepy. Yeah. And she sees herself and she says, that ending, I have the word ending with big massive question mark circles because she's looking at herself up on the, the piece mm. where she was surveilling Luke. Yeah. And then she turns to the camera and again, is that, I, under, I, I figured something else and then bloody cuts to credits oh, and I was yeah, like ah yeah. oh, like, just two more minutes please just, right. just a li- little bit more because and that's the thing Netflix and the, the guys these showrunners mm-hmm. are fantastic for binging absolutely like, they, they know how to get you binging into the next yep. and it's that 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 17 20 seconds where you're like it's three in the morning. Uh, I should probably go to bed, but oh no, I just want to know what that answer was. I don't know what that was exactly. Yeah. So yeah, is it is it that um, that Luke or somebody close to him took a photograph of her up on that? Uh, you know, is it is it somebody else that lives in that building yeah. above above the bar? Is it just a just somebody that was sitting in the bar? Um, the, you old, know? the old man, white guy that runs the bar with Luke. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we, we still don't know. We don't. One, have we? No, we saw him in episode two for oh. slightly, oh. but he was sitting there and like then he got up and left. Right. But I'm wondering if he took a photo and then got up and left. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you have a final point? Uh, okay, we've been dancing around the point, and I, I want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's such thing as a, a skeleton in the closet, and then there's a dead wife in the uh, the mirror. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's been confirmed that photo in the mirror was Luke's dead wife, uh, Reva Connors. Yeah. So we now know it's not a sister, it's not a girlfriend, it's his dead wife. Um, and that will, obviously I'm quite sad because mm-hmm. that's a, having a dead wife's terrible. I'm very sorry for anything but um, it was a great reveal the way he just kind of plunked it out there and then at the end where he goes what's your problem oh is it my dead wife yeah he he uses that bit like he uses that terminology those two words kind of like a baseball bat yeah, yeah. Um, it was and it was a hard thing and then the, the key thing that we found out is uh, the, the, the death of this wife is linked to the bus crash mm-hmm. yeah we knew that but she didn't die in the bus crash yeah she was punched by Jessica and went flying. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm more curious how the hell they're going to get past that and when she's going to tell him. I know. Yeah. I know. It felt like she was going to tell him in this episode. It felt yeah. like she was there to tell him. And then he used the line. So it looks like since the death happened a year ago, some other women have had that issue um, that he's got a dead wife he's still hung up on. Yeah. Um, so he won't be able to commit to a relationship with me. So I'll leave him for that reason. Seems to be the the way he, the way it was said to, to Jessica. Oh, I understand why you're walking away because I got a dead wife. What he doesn't know, as you said, Chris, is that Jessica caused it. 
Yeah, because, I mean, she's there, she's outside his apartment, it does look like she's about to kind of maybe just explain the situation, and then it all gets too messy and too complicated, and it's like, do you know, maybe I just leave it, and yeah. and we split, and you have that... Um, that that split uh, from the the two of them where she kind of just walks off yeah. and says, "Look, I can't carry on uh, doing this." But it's a huge, huge bombshell, and Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a huge moment in, in this series when that truth be- comes out there. I mean, in fairness to Jessica, she's under the influence of Kilgrave mm. um, there, but something as well sparks her to keep on walking and whether it's because of what she's just done yeah um, that exactly and that breaks the spell of Kilgrave because um you know she has said previously her weakness that Kilgrave identified was that she gave a damn about people and maybe in that moment despite being under his influence she realized that what had happened what she had been forced to do was bad and she cared for this woman that she had just punched and that broke the spell of Kilgrave I think yeah um, the killing the killing yeah. of someone yeah. like Kilgrave just asked forced me to kill someone and then she's like well, why because she said she did something like walk to the body and then he got annoyed because she kept walking yeah and then turned around and I think that's that may be the, the snap she did something so bad she's hated herself for so long is because she killed the woman because he made her. Yeah. And then that death is on her hands. Exactly, because I thought it was quite interesting when you put the two scenes together, the bus crash from the previous episode and this scene. I was wondering why, when when Kilgrave's shouting after Jessica, get back here, why she isn't turning around. Because it's been established that the power that he has is in his voice and that he can control anybody really easily with his voice. Um, so Jessica's obviously a very powerful I uh, got a very powerful mind to block to be able to block that out, even for a couple of seconds, uh, until he got knocked down by the bus. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Looking forward to seeing a bit more of that. Uh, I wonder if there's more to the scene. Yeah, maybe. Like, the, there's. I think is is this going to be every two episodes we'll get flashbacks that add to that scene, maybe. and then at the very end we get a whole five minute scene where it's the before and the after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, John, do you have a final point? I do. It's the return of the alias investigations door. And this time with um, a father-son uh, combination. I just love this. It was great fun. It kept the door uh, front and center, um, as it were, within within the series. You know, and the corridor. And it was and in the <laughs> corridor. You know, and finally, um, some great banter between the two, um, uh, father-son. And Jessica, you know, she goes, you're early because she's actually hired them this time. And, and yeah. they're like, no, we're three hours late because she's just woken up late. Really good. Um, you know, they're Portuguese. The, the son is translating uh, what the father is saying and comes out with, this is a business, not a charity for women with broken doors. Just like <laughs> really, good. really yeah. good. And then finally, you know, they fix the door. It's got the new pane of glass in there, but until you pay us, you don't get the key back to your apartment. Mm-hmm. So it was just really, that's just nice, great fun in, in the episode, given some of the heavy stuff that we've been dealing with. So, like, I, I, I love this. Um, and 
I suppose here's to the next broken pane of glass and, yeah. and more uh, door <laughs> door related um, fun and frolics. Well, absolutely, because she's not given the keys, Jessica does break the lock again to get into her get into her apartment. <laughs> she twists the handle and breaks the lock to get in. So once again, she's still without a, a working door. So yeah, really, really good. So, Derek, have you got any final points or notes for this episode? Uh, I don't have any final points. All my points have pretty much been taken up, but just a little note uh, that I thought was really interesting about this episode. Again, it's about Kilgrave. Uh, every single person that Kilgrave has had control of knows about Jessica Jones, um, which I think is really interesting. Everybody from the cops to, obviously, all the, the people that he was in control of in the um, in the loft apartment that he took over all know something about Jessica Jones. I thought that was really interesting. They're not only sent out on individual little missions to protect him they're also told this is the most important person don't kill her if she enters the apartment is what the officers told it's not her time to die um isn't it yep. um so each each one of them have something so just showing the absolute obsession of Kilgrave, which we do know about it, we've heard a little bit about but it just shows the obsession of him that not only does he just control them to get a free dinner or get a free apartment he also tells them and this is the woman that meant so much to me and she left me and this is why I'm in the state I'm in, basically. So uh, I think that's just a really interesting touch by the writers in this episode. Does anyone else have any notes? Chris? Yeah, I, I had one. And I, 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 again, this is, I don't know if this is anything whatsoever. When Jessica's in buying a whiskey, um, there's the radio station in the background. Yes. Uh, there's the talk show talking about the Kilgrave session and the girl, the, 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 the girl shooting. Uh, and I was controlled by the devil. He sounds a bit like JJJ, Mr. Jameson himself, the Daily Bugle, just that kind of that kind of Western twang in right. the, the the outback kind of big piece. I just thought it was it, it was nice. They never mentioned who he was, yeah. and they did. It was fun that even Jessica kind of did a bit of a, you listen to this crap, like it's the old J.J. Jameson kind of spewing rhetoric about how evil the gifted people are, the the heroes, blah, blah, blah. So rather than maybe the Daily Bugle, we have a daily chat show called The Bugle maybe. or something like that. Yeah. That's how I would love, just if that radio station in the background is kind of that every now and again turns out spewing rhetoric about the gifted people, yeah. uh, the green dude and his crew, and we find out then in... What, 2019 when Spider-Man film comes out? <laughs> um, that, that, that they're this radio show host, Peter Parker gets a job there. Yeah. It could be interesting. I just thought it was quite fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, so there's the uh, the radio show where the caller is saying that Hope is uh, coming up with this story because of um, essentially because of when the when the attack happened on New York on New York and the Avengers are there. People are now saying that there's a superpowered being that can do X, Y, and Z to explain away their own um, their own uh, issues. I want to listen back to it because you said J. Jonah Jameson. I'm wondering, stick with me on this because okay. I don't know. I want to listen back to it because I'm wondering, is this our Stan Lee cameo? Was that Stan Lee on the radio saying that? Oh, it could be. I'm just thinking. I'm just oh, thinking. Okay, it's, okay. it's an interesting so it's either, use of him. It could be JJJ or it could be Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Yeah. yeah. Because you know, remember one of the one of the Stan Lee um, cameos in one of the films is uh, superheroes in New York. That's not believable. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is the, are they using the same character? Well, okay. Listeners might know. Yeah. And in Daredevil, it was a picture in the police station. Yeah. The cop, yeah. yeah. Uh, John, any final notes from you? No, just simply to reiterate that Whiskey Watch uh, this week is Wild Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> we will get your whiskey, don't worry. <laughs> so, John, do you defend this episode? I do. I defend episode three of 
Jessica Jones. And given that we are moving into the festive season, I'm going to give it four sweet Christmases out of five. Um, Yeah, this to me had a huge amount going on. And actually, because we watched it in the evening and we podcasted the next day now, um, actually having time just to think about the episode... This got better and better in my mind when I went back over my notes. This episode really did have an awful lot going on. I love the fact that they had some really little um, jokey elements such as the, um, the, the door being fixed again. But at the same time, I loved that we got the background and development of Jessica and Luke's relationship Absolutely. here and some of their backstories. That was really important. The fact that Trish, again, said really wanted to see how her um, character developed. There's an awful lot in here for, for Trisha. And it's all topped off with the creepy collage and, and Kilgrave and Jessica Jones uh, coming face to face again for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and all that manipulation of all his like minions, as we've kind of been saying. So this, this really did um, have an awful lot in it and progressed. Um, the story a great deal. I, I'm really looking forward to the, the next episode now. Definitely. Definitely. Chris, do you defend this episode? Okay. So I'm going to put this out there. As John said, we watched this last night and we're, we're now podcasting in the morning. If you had have asked me that question last night, mm-hmm. the answer was no. Right. Um, I, I thought this was the dull episode. This was the dud. I, now that I've slept on it and I've looked back over the notes and I'm we kind of checked one or two quick things just by jumping through Netflix... No, I'm completely flipped. I'm now going, yeah, no, this was a fantastic episode. I think it's, it it could have been possibly there was so much in this. Mm -hmm. My brain slightly went, oh, okay, no, wait, kind of slow down. Yeah. Um, Because I'm just not sure. But no, in, if you had have asked me yesterday, no. Asking me now, this was perfect. This was a great episode. So yes, I defend. Right, right. Yeah, I, I kind of do feel sorry for someone that may have been binge watched all 13 episodes. While I do want to get on to episode four, um, I'm really excited for it, but I think if you if you'd skimmed over this episode, yeah, I think you could have just compartmentalized it into uh, just has a bit of character development, grand, um, and just moved on to the next one and forgotten about it. There's so much here. The whole piece about Trish uh, and the attack on her by the cop, the creation of the minions, as you said, John, um, by by Kilgrave. I think that's that's absolutely fantastic stuff and really really interesting. But number one is. A conversation between two superheroes about how they got their superpowers, what they can do, how unbreakable is Luke's skin, how high can she jump or how, how fast can she fly. Um, how hard can she bite? How hard can she bite? Absolutely. Watch his extremities. Um, yes, I think I think it's just something that I really wanted to see. And I, I was delighted with this episode. Yeah, I absolutely defend this episode. And also one element that I forgot to mention was just the big bombshell with Reva Connors as well. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, Luke and Jessica's relationship has been slightly topsy-turvy in these first mm-hmm. three uh, episodes. It, it's been on, it's been off, it's been full on and full off, and now it's really reached a bit of a schism where she's now back in charge of realising what she did and who this person is, and unfortunately she's connected to, to Luke Cage. So how that plays out moving forward, like I can't wait to see. Yeah. 
Just a little bit of other feedback that came in from David Wang on Facebook. Just search for Defenders TV Podcast and find our find our group on there. Uh, David says, hashtag bilingual bonus. The character on the Japanese, I think it was Japanese, barbecue restaurant means meat. But in Chinese, at least, it can also be a derogatory euphemism for women seen in a sexual manner. manner. Like sexual prostitution is sometimes referred to as selling meat. It's quite interesting, isn't it? So it's it's an Asian fusion restaurant they call it, don't they? Yeah. Um, that that's the that's the restaurant that's in there, uh, Misu. And um, that's quite an interesting idea, isn't it? Like it, it, that that particular character in the background is uh, is referring to meat, and obviously um, that's essentially what Kilgrave has turned Jessica into, has turned Hope into, is his own private prostitute that will do anything he wants her to do. And maybe that's how he viewed what. Kilgrave was doing that that was Hope was his prostitute for the night um, and so on yeah really really good uh, catch there good catch David definitely we also received some audio feedback um, from Will Johnson so so thank you Will for for that Um, here's here's what his thoughts are on episode one of Jessica Jones what up guys so I went and watched the first episode of Jessica Jones on Netflix, and I adored it. I like Jessica's attitude. She's really cool. I guess she kind of, I don't know, her kind of, she seems to maybe, maybe not pessimistic is the right word, but I don't know, just, I, just, I just really like her, and I like the voiceovers. I know another TV show that has a female lead that does voiceovers. They didn't do voiceovers well on that show. I'm not going to name any sh- names, but, you know, Matt knows what I'm talking about. But, yeah, and it's good to see Luke Cage. And, man, I want to do Luke, play- Luke Page cosplay next year, but uh, I don't know if I want to pump enough iron to get that ripped. And that's a fine-looking man. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, looking forward to seeing more. Looking forward to uh, seeing that villain. Oh, I thought that you know, once the parents got on the elevator, we were going to find out that you know the villain uh, had left them instruction for them to kill the daughter, but ended up being the daughter shooting them. So, and I like that her sister or whoever that was eventually believed her. When she started explaining, you know, that he's back, so it wasn't like where, you know, she kept doubting her. It was just kind of annoying. It happens on TV shows. But anyway, I was going to watch one episode a week with you guys, but I think I'm getting ready to watch episode two now. Um, I'll try not to spoil anything when I send in feedback and looking forward to discussing this awesome show. Bye. Yeah, I absolutely love that theory um, that it could have been the parents uh, in the elevator who were controlled by Kilgrave and not Hope. Yeah. Um, that's a really good uh, theory. Um, and certainly, yeah, I completely agree. To get a decent Luke Cage cosplay, um, you need to seriously commit to that role <laughs> well in advance of of uh, actually donning on the yellow T-shirt um, yeah, maybe New York Comic Con 2018, maybe. <laughs> well, for me, certainly, um, certainly with my 30 day shred, um, there's a lot to do before I can um, even attempt to probably get into an Iron Fist uh, outfit. But uh, Will, thank you so much for that feedback. We're really pleased you're enjoying uh, the show as much as we are, and we can't wait to hear some of your thoughts um, on the other episodes of Jessica Jones. So thanks so much. And if you want to send us in your feedback, just send it to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can obviously join us on either our Facebook group or Facebook page. We try not to spoil anybody as they watch them at different rates. But uh, if you want to pop in some feedback to us, 
at our email address. We will obviously discuss it on our next episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Our next episode will be released on Tuesday and then every Tuesday until the end of the series. Uh, really happy you guys have been joining us. And you can also get us on Android, obviously. Uh, just subscribe to the podcast on any good podcast catcher like Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict. And we're also on Stitcher. Just search for Defenders TV Podcast on there. So thank you so much for listening. And, and we will be back soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Sweet baby Christmas. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.